Good morning, Gospel Hope. Well, today I'm excited to kick off a brand new series here from the book of 1 Thessalonians called In the Waiting. And today we're going to be challenged and encouraged from God's Word about what we do when God calls us to wait. But before we dive into the text this morning, let's pause and ask for the Lord's help. Father, we come before you with a sense of need. We know that we are broken people and that we desperately need to hear from your voice today. So I pray that you would open your word to us. Would you challenge us and stretch us and grow us? And we pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Full disclosure, true confession, I love theme parks. I love them all. Disney, Universal, SeaWorld, Six Flags. I think they are awesome. I love the rides. I love the creative architecture. I love the storytelling. But there's one thing that I do not like about theme parks, and my guess is you don't like it too. In fact, I'm going to do a little experiment right now and see how much you don't like the same thing that I don't like. So right now, if you are able to, in the comment section, I want you to write down the one thing that you like least about amusement parks. Go ahead, right now, do that. I'll wait for you. Go ahead, put them in the comments. If we had Jeopardy music, we'd play that right now. All right, here's my guess. I bet at the top of the list of things that we don't like about amusement parks or theme parks is this, waiting. Why? Because no one likes waiting. Human beings are wired not to like waiting. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, the reason is simply this. When you read the book of 1 Thessalonians, you find a group of believers who are in a season of waiting. And my guess is they, like us, did not find it enjoyable. But I think because the 1 Thessalonians were called to wait, and right now we find ourselves in a season of waiting, there are some profound lessons to be learned as we dive into this book. But before I unpack those a little bit, let me give you a little bit of background about how the church at Thessalonica was started. The church at Thessalonica was a cosmopolitan city that Paul passed through on his second missionary journey. And when he got there, wonderfully, there was a multi-ethnic group of people who responded positively to the gospel. But in time, there was a power-hungry group of Jews that were kind of running the synagogue in the city, and they got angry at Paul. In fact, we read about that over in Acts chapter 17, verse number 5, where it says this, But the Jews became jealous, and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. So this is a big deal. There is a big uproar about Paul's teaching. Then the mob even goes so far to get the city officials involved. We read down in verse number 6 of Acts chapter 17. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too, verse number 7. They are acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another King Jesus. As a result, Paul was smuggled out of the town by the believers at Thessalonica. They got him out of the city in a hurry. And then the writer of Acts actually throws a little bit of shade on the Thessalonian city. Here's what it says in verse number 10 and 11 of Acts chapter 17. The people at Berea were more noble character than those in Thessalonica, 
since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. In other words, the Thessalonians, not so noble folks. That's why today, if you drive around our city or really any city in the world, you're going to find churches with the name Berea in it, but you find very few Thessalonian Baptist churches. The point is this, when the church at Thessalonica was started, it was, it was done under some duress. There was persecution and opposition, but this was not their only difficulty. As you continue to read through the epistle of 1 Thessalonians, you learn that because Paul was whisked away so quickly, he didn't have the time to teach them all the things that he wanted to teach them, and they had some pretty messed up views about what would happen when Christ came. In fact, they were so misinformed that they thought some people who had died missed out on the return of Christ altogether. We read about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep or dead, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Then to top it all off, not only were the believers under duress by persecution, not only were they confused about some theological matters, but the Thessalonians just missed the Apostle Paul. He was there and then he was gone quickly and so they had a longing for him in their heart. First Thessalonians chapter three, verse number six. You always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we long to see you. So what's the point of that background? Well, I want you to see something about the believers in Thessalonica. They were waiting. They were waiting for the persecution to lessen. They were waiting to get some answers about Christ's coming. They were waiting for Paul to come back. It probably felt like the first Thessalonians, the Thessalonian believers, felt like everything in their life was about waiting. Can you identify? Right now, we find ourselves in a season of all kinds of uncertainty, all kinds of waiting. We're waiting to find out who will be impacted or who will contract this disease. We're waiting to find out what will happen with maybe our job or our kid's school or church. We're just waiting on that. We're waiting to see what impact this will have on our economy. And we're waiting to see when and if things will ever return to normal. And let's be honest, waiting is not a lot of fun. There can be a real temptation in times like this to think that we are just wasting our time. This is all pointless. It's boring and tedious and monotonous, and we don't see any significance to this time of waiting. But let me remind you, brothers and sisters, in God's economy, wait time is never wasted time. Wait time is never wasted time. When God calls us to wait, he calls us to do so with good purposes in mind. Here's why God, here's why that should be super encouraging to us. Because even when we are waiting, God is still at work around us. The Lord is never caught off guard. He is never confused. He is never apathetic. Even though we may not know what is going on or have all kinds of uncertainty in our hearts, this is not true of the Lord. Let me say it very plainly in this way. Our uncertainty about the future does not imply God's inactivity in the present. 
our uncertainty about the future does not imply God's inactivity in the present. This was true in Thessalonica, and it remains true for us today. Which leads me to my point this morning, which is simply this. We can be hopeful even in the midst of uncertainty. We can be hopeful even when things are uncertain around us. And I think that's why Paul penned this first chapter of Thessalonians. Because he wanted to remind the believers that they can be hopeful even though they didn't know what was going to happen in the future. And by looking at this text, I can think we can see at least three reasons, three reasons why we can have hope in uncertain time. And I'd like to walk through those briefly with you this morning. The first reason why we can have hope in uncertain times is simply this. God is still powerful. God is still powerful. He remains in control. He remains who he is even when times are uncertain. You see, when Paul came to Thessalonica, he faced tremendous opposition. Remember, a, a riot started when he came there. Nevertheless, his disposition towards these believers and his time with them was one of gratitude. Look at verse number two and three. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul thinks about his time in Thessalonica, and how does he feel? Grateful, thankful. Why is this the case? Well, he unpacks that a little bit more as he goes. Verse number four, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Now notice this in verse five, so critical, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. In other words, in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the uncertainty, in spite of the opposition, the word of God came in power to Thessalonica. So much so that Paul reminds the believers of what happened to them. Skip down to verse number nine. When they heard the word, what happened? You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's amazing. So in this city of open idolatry, people that were hostile to the gospel and the apostolic witness of Christ. There is all kinds of op opposition going on, and yet what happens when the word of God is preached? People are repenting, they're turning from their sins, and they're putting their hope in the God of the Bible, the one true and living God. Listen, church, our situation does not limit God's power. Our situation does not limit God's power. No matter what is going on around us, God is still powerful. Man, I know that in a situation like we find ourselves in currently, this current cultural moment, the pandemic, the racial injustice, we can look at things like that and begin to think, things seem so bad right now. I'm just not sure it will ever be different. Is there any real cause for hope in the midst of a situation like this? Well, friends, this is a natural response and it is completely appropriate to feel sorrow 
and a sense of loss when things are tough, when things fall out of our lives. But in the midst of our sorrow and grief, let us not forget who our God is. Isaiah 59 verse 1 reminds us of this in a beautiful way. Indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save. Even though situations are bleak, even though the future is uncertain, God is still God and he is still powerful. Isn't the God of the Bible the one that rescued the nation of Israel at the Red Sea when they were being pursued by the army of Pharaoh? Isn't the God of the Bible the one who plucked Daniel out of the lion's den when the king's advisors were conspiring against them? Isn't it the God of the Bible who rescued Peter from prison on the night before he was to be executed? Yes, this is the God of the Bible. His power is not limited by our situations. Listen to this statement carefully. The Lord is at his best when our situations are at their worst. This was true in Thessalonica. And it remains true for you and I today. So no matter how bad you feel, and some of you are feeling bad right now, and no matter how dark your circumstances are, and some of you are facing dark circumstances right now, no matter how uncertain you feel about the future, and some of you feel very uncertain, take heart because God, your God, the one who sent his son in the world to save you from sin is still powerful. But there's another reason that you should have hope. And it's simply this. Not only is God still powerful, but growth is still possible. Man, I think one of the greatest temptations in a season like this, at least I feel this all the time, is that I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I I'm not making any forward progress. It's very tempting for me to believe that nothing good is occurring. I'm wasting my time in a sense. But this is not the approach that the Thessalonian believers took. Even though they faced all kinds of uncertainties in their life, they earnestly pursued growth in the Lord. You say, Ryan, where do you see that? Well, look down in verse number six. Here's Paul speaking to them again. You yourself became imitators of us and of the Lord when in spite of severe persecution, you welcome the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. Huh. In other words, even though their situation was unclear, they were confused about all kinds of things. Even though the Apostle Paul was not with them, what was happening? They were maturing in their walk with Christ. I find this incredibly encouraging. These brand new believers, so they weren't like super elite commando Christians or anything with confusion about important doctrines of scripture. I mean, they thought that if you died, you missed the coming of the Lord. That seems like a pretty big oversight. They had all of these kind of obstacles stacked against them. And yet what was true, they were growing. I find that awesome because it means no matter where you find yourself, progress is always possible always. We can always grow in the Lord no matter what is going on around us. And I have a great illustration of that from when I was early on in high school. And as many of you know, I played basketball. And, and somehow I hurt my wrist. It was my right wrist, which is bad for a basketball player who is right-handed, which means 
for a season, I, I couldn't participate in practice like I normally would. So what did I have to do? I had to go kind of over on the side and just watch practice going on. I had some sort of brace on my wrist so I wasn't able to do all the drills. You know what I did during that time? Well, in my teenage angst, I kind of complained. Oh, what's going on? This is no fun. What a waste. But then after I got over myself, I, I picked up a basketball on the side and I started shooting with the left hand. You know, first of all, I'm just shooting layups. Then I'm backing up and I'm doing all kinds of things. I can't use my right hand really, so I'm using my left hand. Well, eventually my right hand got better. I took the brace off and I got into a game. I'm starting to play in the game. I made a move and all of a sudden, guess what? An occasion arose where it would be easier to shoot with my left hand and my, than my right hand. And what did I do? Man, I let that thing fly lefty. All of that time that I saw as a waste, as if God wasn't doing anything or was nothing positive was happening, what was actually happening is I was becoming a better basketball player. In this season, there is a ton of uncertainty, but God can be using this time to make you better. Man, there are a lot of things that you cannot know right now, but there are a couple things that you certainly can. The first is this. God wants his people to consistently grow. If you've trusted in Jesus, God wants you to grow. 2 Peter 3.18 says it very plainly. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But there's actually more that God wants you to know during this season. And it's not only that he wants you to grow, but he will help you to do so. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you. Why? So that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Look, church, though in this time you cannot know the future, you can know your God. Though in this time you cannot know your future, you can know your God. And I'm so encouraged as I look at the Gospel Hope family, and many of you are taking that very seriously. You're using this time to dive into the Word. You're connecting with other believers. You're enrolling in some of our Equip Online classes. You're reading good, Gospel-saturated books. I love that about our church, that we are not seeing this as just a waste. But, oh, Gospel Hope, let's be a group of people that as this season of uncertainty goes on for who knows how long, that's the point of uncertainty, that we are seeing it not as a waste of time, but as an opportunity to get to know our Savior better. Man, you can have hope because God is still powerful and, and growth is still possible. Which leads me to the third and final thing. We can have hope in seasons of uncertainty because the gospel is still portable. Now, this may sound a little strange, but let me unpack what I mean. Look again at verse number seven of the text. You, speaking of the believers at Thessalonica, became an example of all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out, notice these two words, from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God had gone out. So what's happening? These believers are facing persecution. They have some weird theological ideas. They're brand new to the faith. Their apostle leaves them. And what happens? 
the gospel spreads like wildfire. And the spark is Thessalonica. That is amazing. Perhaps a map will put this in perspective for you. Thessalonica was located kind of in the heart of the region known as Macedonia. And what Paul tells us in this passage is that the gospel went from Thessalonica throughout Macedonia. And then he says it even took a further step. It went to Achaia, which is kind of the region south of Macedonia. But the gospel witness didn't end just in those geographic proximities. The Bible actually says that it went everywhere. Everywhere that the Thessalonians went, their faith was spread. The principle is simply this. The gospel is for everyone everywhere. It is portable. It goes with God's people wherever they are at and no matter what circumstance they find themselves in. Now, I'll admit, at least for me, one of the most challenging thing about this current situation is trying to figure out meaningful ways to see the gospel go further. Man, I, as I try to think about it, I'm like, man, how can God use this pandemic and how can God use me and how can God use Gospel Hope Church to make the gospel multiply? Frankly, it's, it's hard for me to imagine, but perhaps an analogy will help. Back in the 1930s and the 1940s, there were some machines that were made that would become the predecessors of what we now know as computers. Um, these first machines were made of hundreds of thousands of components and they were typically room size and had very limited functionality. Now, I am certain that the people who first made those machines, they, they could not even conceive of the idea of a laptop computer or, or even a desktop computer or a tablet or a smartphone or a smartwatch for that matter. That was not even in their brain. And yet, here we are today where all of us, virtually all of us, carry around in our pocket an amazingly powerful computing machine. And the fact of the matter is, that's not just limited to Atlanta or America. You find it all over the world, even in places where technology seems to not reach as far. You can go in there and find people with phones that are as powerful as room-sized computers. Even though the originators of the computers couldn't imagine that day, we have arrived at that destination. And here's the thing, think about this for a minute. Even though it may be hard for us to conceive about how God can use these strange circumstances to take the gospel further, God is far wiser than us. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is infinitely portable. My point is this, the message of Christ has the ability to spread in ways that we cannot predict. Man, I am so encouraged by that reality that I'm not in charge of making sure the gospel goes further. God is in charge of that and his mind is far superior to ours. And we will look back on this day and say, oh God, look at what you were doing. That was amazing. Just think about church history for a moment. There has never been a culture to which the gospel is irrelevant. There has never been a brokenness that the gospel cannot heal. There's never been a language into which the gospel does not translate. There's never been a sinner that the gospel cannot save. The gospel disseminated from Jerusalem because of a great persecution against the early church. The gospel spread throughout the Roman Empire because of a plague. 
The gospel flourished in North Africa because of a theological controversy. The gospel ran freely through England and the United States of America through the first great awakening because gospel preachers were kicked out of churches. The gospel took root in China in unprecedented ways because all the foreign missionaries had to go home. And now, today, this, the gospel is being proclaimed in unbelievable ways to unreached people groups of the world because a missions movement is started out of countries like Brazil and Nigeria and South Korea and India and Mexico. Look, God has always been able to take his gospels to unexpected places in unexpected ways. I know it can be a challenging to think of a season, this season, as a time for great opportunity for gospel proclamation. But the story of the Thessalonian believers and the church history reminds us of this amazing reality. The gospel cannot be quarantined. You cannot lock this message down. It is unstoppable. And I would invite you to pray with me that God would allow Gospel Hope Church and allow you and I as individual believers to be a part of this great gospel proclamation, to see the gospel keep on extending. Can we pray to God because he is able, as Ephesians says, to do far more than we ask or think. He is capable of taking the gospel further even when we can't conceive it. So where does this all leave us in this time of uncertainty? What are we to do? Well, in one sense, the answer is simple. Wait. Go back to verse number three. We recall in the presence of God our Father. I'm sorry, verse number nine. You turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. So we are in a season of waiting. Until the Lord returns, we are to wait for him. But the waiting of Christians is to have a character that is different from the world's waiting. You say, well, how so, Ryan? Back to verse number three. We recall in the presence of God and Father, your endurance, notice this next phrase, inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, we are to wait but we are not in a season of hopeless waiting. We are in a season of hope-filled waiting. So brothers and sisters, have hope because God is powerful. He has worked in your life, he has changed you, and he will continue to do so. Have hope because growth is possible. This is not just a waste of time. God has plans for you in this season that he wants to accomplish right now, not in spite of your suffering, not in spite of your difficulty, but because of your suffering and because of your difficulty. And have hope because the gospel is portable. There are people in your lives and around the world who need to hear this wonderful message of Christ and it has the ability to flex and to bend and to get into the cracks and crevices of cultures and hearts. And God has invited us to be a part of his great work in saving people through the gospel. In these uncertain times, we have a certain hope. And his name is Jesus. And he lived the life we should have lived. And he died the death we should have died. 
and he sent his Holy Spirit to empower us and enable us to follow him even in difficult times. Let us be the most hope-filled people on earth because even in the midst of uncertainty, there are certain things that we know for sure. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for the church at Thessalonica. I pray we would be encouraged by their example and reminded that you are who you are. Even though our circumstances are uncertain, you remain the same. And we can trust in you that you are powerful and that growth is possible and the gospel is portable. It can go anywhere. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would cause us to treasure your work on the cross and by the Holy Spirit be a part of your great work in the world. We pray all these things in the matchless name of our Savior. Amen.